All right, man. I think we're live. All right. Ready to go. Perfect. I'm gonna turn it off. Who wants to listen to that music? <laughs> good um, shit right there. So, hey, man, like, we're finally talking. Uh, we're talking live. <laughs> um, and uh, we, used to con we used to have conversations before over Facebook. And, uh, you know, I met you, sort of e-meet you uh, quite a while ago. But I never actually had a time or um, ability uh, to, to really have a conversation with you. Um, in the form of podcast or just even even just a conversation so i'm really glad of having you uh yeah, it's good to be here. yeah I've, I've you know i've heard about you for the longest while and i've been always fan of your work and i i know the amount of awesome work you also did at art center uh, i know some i think some of some of my friends uh also your students i believe so um yeah and so some that's and some instructors too i think right you know between yeah. like shaddy Taught for me and uh, Jamie Jones and a bunch of bunch yeah. of great guys. Yeah, awesome James people. Bay. Awesome yeah, people. Sure. Um, I think I mean let's start with just like introducing yourself because uh, you know some people I guess most of the people that are watching us already know who you are, uh, but you know whoever stumbles upon this video or this stream like hmm, what they're talking about. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm Tim Flattery. Um, I'm one of the old guys now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been it's a concept artist for 29 years now. I started in 1987. And, wow. Um, yeah, my first movie um, was My Stepmom's an Alien with Kim Bassinger and, and Dan Aykroyd. And then okay. I did um, Back to the Future 2 right after that. And then from there, Total Recall. It took took a while, but got my feet on the ground um, a few years after that. It was, it was a lot different back then than it is now. Oh, I can imagine. Uh, we obviously can talk about it. Shit. Yeah. Um, dude, you, you pretty much started when I... You started working in the film when I stopped shitting my diapers. That's basically... <laughs> <laughs> uh, the age difference we're, we're at right now. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's, that's the, funny. We're the old guys. We're the old guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I'm old, but I've been in this. In, I mean, I've been in, in video games mostly throughout most of my career. Um, it's been like 12 years now. And I feel old because I see like all yeah. those art artists on, on Art Station and on Facebook. Like, damn, those young guys, you know. They're already killing it now. Like when I'm talking to you, or when I was talking to Scott Robertson, or even talking with Paul Osimo, I'm pretty sure you know him. Uh, oh yeah, it's like damn, way. you guys, you guys have a history. So yeah, Paul, Paul and I go a long way back. Where um, when when he first started out, he was a you know he he built models and miniatures. Yeah. He's an amazing, um, just got an incredible craft skills when it came to um, doing miniatures, full-on uh, stepper motor miniatures and all that. And he transitioned that into um, into concept design because mm -hmm. he could draw and he, uh, a lot of it was self-taught and a lot of it was, you know, just um, studying other people. Yeah. And now, now he's like, you know, his shit's awesome. As yeah. You know. he, he told me some most interesting stories and like his transition and and the stuff they were pulling off when he was in the model shop and some oh, bizarre yeah. 
bizarre things that today, if like if they would try to do it, it would be lawsuits flying everywhere. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. He he. Uh, we he's we had good stories. He he worked on. He did the miniature of my Batmobile for me, and in, in the um, while we were doing nice. the full size, he was doing the miniature of it um, in in the shop with us. Damn. And, um, yeah, and amongst a bunch of other stuff. But yeah, so. So whenever we end up working on a movie together and we're in the art department together, we always talk about that. <laughs> so back in the shops and blah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Damn, I wish I was there. I wish I was there. Because the stories I'm hearing is like, damn, oh, some fun were, stuff, for there sure. There were good times. I mean, especially, you know, back in those days, um, you know, half the time when we're going out to lunch, we'd, we'd go out and get fucking hammered and come back, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, on Save It Prime Orion, we, we, you know, three out of the five days, we were, we'd come back drunk from lunch and uh, did some great shit on that movie. But um, it, it's it's much different now, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just, it, it feels, it feels more organized, for sure, and, and less sort of organic garage, if, if anything. Yeah, in the good and the bad way too, I guess. Uh, yeah. So, I'm always curious. Yeah. Um, you know, whenever whenever I'm talking with you or uh, you know other, it's called old school guys. Um, I'm always curious, like, what actually got you got you into this industry? Because I know, like, right now, there's so much coverage of film and and games, and it's it's so much much more much more easier to get information like how to get in, like, oh, actually, you can make money. Uh, doing this but back in the day that was a different story wasn't it yeah i um well i went to i went to school at college for creative studies and um you know back then sid mead was a huge influence mm -hmm. um all the the books from like you know the artwork of star wars looking at ralph mccory and and joe johnson stuff and neela rotis that was sort of what got me dialed in and, and excited about, you know, working in the film industry. And I, um, you know, I didn't know anything about pre-production within the art department because I grew up in Detroit. So everything I knew was from books, which was Cinefix. And, mm -hmm. you know, so all I knew was visual effects. So, um, it, you know, from what I read out of books. So, I kind of geared my own portfolio back in the eighties to, in my own naive way, what I thought would, would cater to the movie industry as opposed to just straight up industrial design, um, which is what I was going to school for. Right. And, and so, um, you know, you know how it is, you get bit by that bug and there, there's just nothing that's going to stop you. And so, <laughs> yeah. um, I just kept, um, kept working on sort of a portfolio separately. And then I got support from, um, a couple of my instructors at school. And, uh, when I graduated, I just, I, I, you know, I moved out to LA and sort of started knocking on doors at effects companies like Apogee, ILM and dream quest and boss films, these places that were doing all these great effects for, um, you know, for big motion pictures. And, um, ended up working for John Dykstra at Apogee, which was originally Industrial Light and Magic when it was when they did Star Wars down in Van Nuys. And um, they split off, went up to San Francisco and formed ILM, and John Dykstra stayed down in L.A. and formed Apogee. And he did, you know, um, 
the first Star Trek feature, um, you know, just all mm-hmm. sorts of shit that they did there. And so he gave me my first job, him and Bob Shepard there at Apogee. And that's that was sort of my first sort of in where I was working for them and meeting like all the guys that worked on Star Wars. And um, that actually led to, um, you know, working on my stepmother's an alien and, and then somebody from that recommended me for Back to the Future. And so that's how that's how I got started. Yeah, um, it snowballs from there. Yeah. And then it kind of snowballed from there. But it was it was just out of sort of pure passion for movies and and design within movies and just complete being just completely naive about how to go about it. Um, you know, now people are so informed about what it is to get in the industry and what the industry is and concept design. Concept design back then wasn't even a thing. We were called illustrators. Right, yeah. And um, even though we were doing the same thing. And it's just evolved, you know, over the over the last few decades. So... Um, in a way, I'm glad that I got in when I got in, but I'm envious of the people that are entering the business now, given the tools that they have and yeah. you know, how they go about it. Yeah. So, um, but that's that's a long-winded way of of how I, you know, how I kind of broke in, and I was just always a nut for it. I was a comic book geek, you know, growing up. Um, and a sci-fi geek as a kid and it just translated into my art that's awesome yeah i mean it's 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 completely different right now um i think it was you know unless you were exposed to i guess uh, it's it's hard for me to tell or or figure it out because uh it's also i guess different for us and europe uh, I originally come from Poland, so right. I'm like from pretty much behind the uh, Iron Curtain. Uh, <laughs> the time I was born, we, we were still under uh, Soviet influence. Yeah, my country was at least. So it's sort of like this stigma of like just not knowing what the what the what the hell is going on in the West, you know? Right. Like, it all of a sudden started pouring in. I think it's '89 when the Berlin Berlin Wall uh, came down, and mm-hmm. and then slowly but surely, I think the Western Western culture started pouring in. And I think up until teenage uh, times, I wasn't even I didn't even know what Spider Man is. <laughs> right, uh, <laughs> right. Um, but it seems to me that uh, apart from you know maybe knowing okay there is an industry that makes films, and obviously you know damn I want to work in films. There wasn't really much information out there, like what to do. You know, it was all just basically relying on books, I guess. And it's being in Poland, you mean? No, no, I mean uh, in in your situation when, oh, when you were. Yeah. yeah, right now it's so different, isn't it? Like it's just every, every, everything is everywhere. And well, I think about it all the time. I, I, it's, it's a, because I, I, you know, I keep telling myself, well, shit, I should, you know post more stuff I should be doing, you know, <laughs> um, because that seems to be a, um, a thing in itself, you know, just art station and all the, you know, how everybody, um, networks with each other and, um, influences each other. And I, and I think it's awesome. We, you know, we were in such a closet, um, all through the eighties and nineties where, 
you were influenced by just the guys that you were working on a movie with or, or books that, you know, from established guys. Mm-hmm. And now it's, you know, information and, and networking is so readily available. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome and intimidating at the same time. I, you know, I, I don't have the time to do all that shit. I think that, <laughs> I think I heard somebody say, maybe it was, I forget, um, maybe it was James Paik saying that it's like a full-time job, just, you know, do, you know, posting stuff constantly and, you know, yeah. that he spends, you know, he has to spend a lot of time doing that. And, you know, between chairing an apartment at CCS and working on Avengers and whatever, I, I just, I don't know how you guys do it. Cause I know that, I, I know that you're like three times as busy as I am. <laughs> <laughs> you're always doing three projects. I don't have life, though. <laughs> like, neither do I. And it's like, how do you guys fucking, you know, you know? And and you look at John Bach and Fausto. Those guys, you know, every day they're doing a, a painting at lunch. It's like, take a fucking vacation. What are you guys doing over there? <laughs> well, blame blame John Park for it because he's just it's such just, a he's just such a beast, man. That guy, that guy is just like I haven't seen anyone who influence others as John Park does. You know. Because he he's he's he is usually the person that starts all of it, you know. And yeah. Well, let's let's draw, let's draw, and it's like everyone, okay, just keep drawing, and then everyone sees what he does, like fuck, now I have to do it. And then they got to do it. <laughs> yeah. They got to do it. So as long yeah. as he's posting, oh, I'm tired, but I'm still gonna do it. <laughs> he's insane. No, the, the group yeah. that they have there right now is just like, oh my god, it's amazing people. I know. Uh, over at Lightstorm, so they've managed oh. to get like a really nice pack of wolves, I would say. Um, yeah, totally. It's fun to see when Dylan jumps into those things or Ben Proctor and, you yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. I like those guys never have time for anything. <laughs> no. And then all of a sudden they come out of the closet, you know. <laughs> but I, I think you're right. I mean, that's the John Park, you know, um, wh- whatever you want to call it. He, he's a, that that love for that stuff's infectious, you know. Yeah. Was he one of your students? No, he... he um, he was one of Scott's, I think. Yeah, yeah. And but he did teach for me for, okay. um, you know, before it was right before they started brainstorm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, a couple you years know, ago. I, yeah, a few years back. So yeah, what a great, what a great, di- you know, all those guys—they're monsters, and yet they're <laughs> they're they're humble and fun to be around, and you know, or yeah, it's awesome their lives. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's one of those, you know, he's one of he's, you know, one of the younger guys, I guess. I mean, he's pretty much my age, but considered in film, in film it's considered young guys. Uh and uh he's just, you know, a lot of power. He's just like when you talk with him, there's no way you're going you are not going to be inspired. There's just no way. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> Wait, so I, that was something I wanted to ask you too because you you know, you do both. Are you um what do you enjoy more working on a game or working on a film since you spent so much time on Ghost in the Shell and you know, um, you got Monte there. I'll tell you this. Uh, I don't know. I mean, both can have some good and bad things about it. Yep. Uh, I think the, the best part about film, which I've, you know, I haven't been in film for long enough, but from my experience that I had so far is it's much more focused. Like it, you, you kind of get the idea, right? We're, we're starting this, there's a production, there's a pre-production, uh, you know, 
you, you you make sure that the sets are all all laid out and, and built and everything before it goes filming and it's a very straightforward process you know what you have to yeah. do everything is planned there's no misunderstanding on what's what obviously script changes affect everything but right at, at the end of the day you talk with one person usually usually it's a production designer sometimes if if you're lucky you're gonna work with director directly yeah yeah uh, which is even better uh, but it's usually one person you talk with and then you just hang out with other artists and that's pretty much it. There's no, no bullshit or whatsoever. Whereas yeah. in games, it's just games have much longer, uh, production cycle. Uh, they, you know, in film, how, how long are you going to work in film on, on, the, on a particular project? It's going to be anywhere between a couple of months to a year, right? In or most cases, it's few months, right? Or even a few well, weeks. Yeah. Or yeah. I mean, in some cases I've been worked on, it's been a couple of weeks. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it's much shorter, it's much more compact and, and much more focused. At the same time, it's, I guess, way more stressful because it's just like the tempo and how much stuff you have to produce really is, uh, is because it's way organized and how much is, uh, is at stake because of the shorter, shorter production cycle, uh, you have to be prepared for much more work, basically. Uh, the in, the rewards in, are better. In film? Yeah, yeah. Saying. Okay. Whereas yeah. in games, uh, you know, in games, you're just part of, I mean, in film, you are a part of, a, like, a really, really small part of a crew, really. I mean, thousands of people making films, but um, but I think games are more forgiving uh, in terms of work than film. Um, because, like, if you illustrate something, um, it affects the way it's built, right? If you, yeah. if you, if you fuck it up, then they're going to have hard time to figure out like how, how to even build it, you know? Yeah. It's got to be tangible. Yeah, exactly. Um, whereas in games it's just like, because everything is digital, it's kind of like, yeah, you can do whatever almost. Right. Uh, whether it's going to work well in the game or not, it's, it's not going to be as significant because usually what you, what you design, the one part you're designing is just a small part of the game and the game itself is just so vast. There's so much more to it, like AI and animation and sound and, and, and acting and, and game design and mechanics. Like there's just so much packed in that yeah. your, your helmet design or vehicle design is like, it's really not that significant of a, of an impact to what the game is going to be. And also production cycle is so long that you have much more time to get things done. And if you fail, it's like, all right, well, I failed, let's, let's move on. It, I mean, it depends obviously on the, on, the, uh, on the game you're working on and also on the studio you're in. You know, there are studios where you can kind of fuck around <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and, 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 you, and you're gonna slip by and there are studios where you really have to crunch. Um, it's obviously rewards and, and risk uh, around it, but I would say games are more forgi forgiving, and they're also because there's there's so much involved in terms of what the game is going to be. Uh, it's much more political too, because now you have to work with designers, game designers, and guys who create mechanics and and uh, level designers and other artists that build stuff. You know, like imagine you in film, you would have to talk with you you talk with set designers, right? That's that's pretty pretty standard, but. Like imagine now all of a sudden you have to you have to talk with the whole production and VFX as well in order to actually finish your illustration. You would go mad, man. Yeah. Uh, so in those terms, it's it's really it can be really annoying because you you might have weeks where 
it's going to be at so many meetings, you're just going to be pulling your hair out. Like, I'm not doing anything. I'm just sitting on those useless meetings and listening to people and their egos. There is a lot of egos involved as well. <laughs> I think there's more ego in games than, than film, for sure. Um, yeah. Oh, in, in there's there's more ego in games than film? Or oh, yeah. In film? I would say in, in games. Oh, no shit. That's yeah, a, man. That's in films, a... I don't know. I mean, you're going to have some characters here and there in film. But generally, you kind of, you know, you can get by pretty much anyone when you work on a show, right? I mean, there's really rare you're gonna you're gonna work with an asshole that you just cannot bear with, you know? It happens, but it's not like it's not it's not like a common common thing, you know? You're gonna have one or two guys, and because the industry is so small, they get weed out really quickly. In let's say most cases, <laughs> right? Not always. Uh, some, some characters kind of linger <laughs> around for yeah. way too long. <laughs> there's always, there's always but it's an such ass. a small industry, man. Like I, that was surprising to me because once I worked on a, I started on ghost in the shell and, and then I went to captain America and after, after working on those two, I pretty much knew half of the industry, man. <laughs> you, you you know it's funny because it's it, it was a it was a hell of a lot smaller you know um that's what a, i hear a lot. yeah i think like when i got into the guild i don't know i think there was like 58 guys in there and now there's over 300 and um so you talk about small you know it was really small yeah and um and but but all the things that that you're talking about in comparison from game to film. And it, it, it just reminds me of how much things have changed because for so long, um, well, first of all, on a film, it's kind of like, you know, they just, they own you when you're on it. And that's just their attitude as far as, you know, um, your time and, and, and how fast you have to be. And so, you know, that there's a little bit of frustration there because when I hear that you have time on a game to work through things, like on a film, a lot of times you don't have the time to do a, a, an illustration to the level that you'd like to do because right. it's got to, you know, no, we got to show the director tomorrow. Um, but the other part, too, was that, you know, for so long I supervised the construction of stuff I designed, right? Like, you know, specialty things like the Batmobile or... Mm -hmm or other vehicles or even Turbo Man for Jingle All the Way and doing that suit and babysitting Arnold on set. And, you know, in that case, you are dealing with everybody from, you know, uh, not just actors, but the, obviously the director, um, right. co costume people, construction, um, special effects, visual effects. And, you know, because when you're, let's say you take the Batmobile, for instance, you're dealing with, you know, special effects because there are stunts and rigs and things like that that have to go into the what you're designing mm -hmm. that you have to build in and visual effects because obviously there's going to be effects miniatures things like that with what you're doing and um everything from costume because you know it's, it's you know i don't know if you saw the documentary but you know you can close the canopy and you close it on batman's ears because you didn't set the seat height the right height you know um Shit like that. So yeah, you're working with costume to build a cowl that has shorter ears when he's driving, the, you know, driving that thing around. Um, shit like that. And you're right. You know that that was it was taxing and exhausting <laughs> at the same time. And being on set was exhausting. And it got to the point, you know, as 
things changed in the industry and how budgets changed and um, you know, I, I just stopped supervising because it wasn't worth it anymore. I was like, I'll design right. the stuff, but I'm, you know, and so I, I just sort of stopped building my stuff and babysitting on set and um, you know, I'm happier for it. I, if you, somebody once told me you never want studio executives to know your name and <laughs> And, um, and that's interesting. <laughs> oh man, it's fucking true. You know, cause <laughs> what, you know, as soon as, as soon as they know who you are, like, you know, when you're dealing with budgets and stuff and, and there's, you know, or there's a, you know, something that they have big plans on merchandising for and you're responsible for it. You, you don't want them to know who you are because mm. then the, then the bullseyes on you and, and you know, that that's not fun. I so, yeah, so um, I can I can I hear what you're saying about game, and it sounds that I mean that just sounds inviting to have a couple of years to work on things. That you know the collaboration that you're talking about sounds great. Um, yeah, if you're if you're with the good people, like good studio where you know there there are professionals around you, you know the people the people that are working with you are mostly driven by the fact that they want to create a great product. Yeah. Uh, then it can be a blast to work in the games. Right. Uh, what often what often happens is that when you join a video game studio, uh, I know it from my own experience because I, I, I felt like that for, for a while as well. You know, I'm not going to lie. I've learned from my own mistakes. So yeah. When you, when you join a really good studio and you almost feel like, you, yeah, I made it. You know? Right. Right. Um, your ego gets boosted sometimes to the levels where it's just like, man, like the fuck, <laughs> just yeah. come down. You're not yeah. the most important person in this in this in this place. And what happens is that you know, even though you're trying to produce the best art uh, possible or best animation or whatever that is, you tend to also have a really strong opinion about what you do. Yeah. And then someone else can come in, and and will have a strong opinion about you know, what are you doing as well? <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, and that's where the conflict starts, you know, and then those long meetings where you just have to sort of like sort out, you're like, oh my God, why a designer? And the designer in, in video games has nothing to do with the, you know, with what designer is in film or what even design means. Right. Uh, it's more of a, you know, if, if it's a level design, it's it's really just layout uh, of, of a level or, you know, combining sort of like the gameplay elements and mechanics into what okay. art can be. A lot of those people have no experience in art whatsoever. You know, if, if you're lucky enough to work with someone who understands architecture or geology or, or just even art in general, then you're lucky because like whatever yeah. you create, it's going to be all right. I mean, he, he knows he knows how to put it together and it's going to look good. Sometimes, I mean, I remember working working on on games where let's say you know the concept team would design some buildings and we would design the layout of a city and all of a sudden you would have like let's say you would have a road and right in the middle of an asphalt road you would have a big fucking rock sitting right <sighs> in the middle and like <laughs> wait a minute like what's going on here like why the rock is in the middle and the designer would say um we need a cover object because AI oh, only Jesus. AI only reaches like twenty feet 
and then they get stupid because that's you know that's how the game mechanics work they, you know there's just how much calculation can be done so yeah we need some cover, cover objects so that your enemies can hide or you can hide from your enemies right. well then why not making two rocks on the side of the road instead of one in the middle no no it has to be there yeah and, why not and, design and, into it yeah and and then you're just like oh my and that's, you know, that kind of stuff gets you really tired. Just like, this, yeah, if you, you feel it's like you feel it's stupid. But on the other hand, like if you just think it only through a perspective of let's like, just ignoring logic and art and anything, just perspective of what's fun, that actually might be the, the, the best solution, really. <laughs> you know, like yeah. just having that rock there just makes makes this set piece like really fun to play. But damn, it looks stupid, man. <laughs> well, so. it, it, it's funny in, in like sort of the same scenario in film where, um, you know, you can be working for a production designer who is very detail oriented. Mm -hmm. And uh, there can be a frustration on the opposite level where you know that, you know, this whatever this designer is focusing on will never be seen by the camera because it's in the back of the set in the corner that the camera is just going to pan right. by. And yet you'll spend, you know, countless hours and days on, <laughs> on, on these details that, and then you have other designers that, um, will design to the camera and to the shot and let everything else go. Um, and then there's frustration in there too. So there's never yeah. a, you know, there's never a happy medium. I, I, you know, I've worked for, um, all those guys and I've learned myself just in stuff that I've had to build myself where to focus and where to put the money. Yeah. Um, you know, on what the camera's going to see. Um, so there's, it sounds like there's similarities in the same, same types of frustrations, even though the right. job description that you're talking about is, is very different. I think it's less of that in film because in film is just if 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 it it's in if it, if it's in there it's still just one almost one or two people that you're dealing with you know whereas in game it can be like six of them <laughs> oh one yeah. is in AI and one is in animation and you know two in the game design and like right. and every time it's just like oh man just relax already you know yeah um, but yeah I I think it's uh, Film is more intense in terms of production, but I guess the, the final result seems to be more rewarding. Uh, if it's good. If it's good. <laughs> uh, if it's bad, it's, you know. It's... On the other hand, you know, if you're in a, you can be in, in, in a project in video games where it might be a nightmare to work for, but it turns out to be an amazing thing. I actually have noticed that, I don't know if what's your experience, but it seems that the, the hardest projects that cause the most frustration usually end up to be really good films. Whereas the projects that are like, oh man, I had a blast. It was one of the most amazing thing I worked on. And you look at a final, you know, cut in the theater. It's like, what the fuck am I watching? What was that? Well, yeah. <laughs> what the hell was that? And, yeah. and it's funny because you, you know, and, even when you, you can, I've worked on plenty of movies where I've read the script and it's like, I, I was excited to see the movie. And yeah. by the time it hit the screen, it was like, what, you know, what is that? That's not what I read. What it, happened? It, what <laughs> happened? Or, or just the opposite where you read the script. And uh, I remember on Solaris, 
you know, they called me up and sent the script out and, um, I was on a plane. I read it on the, on the plane. And when I landed, you know, they called and they said, what'd you think? And I said, I, you know, I had seen the Russian movie and I was like, I'm, you know, I don't know. It's so I have no idea what to think. And, and they were like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but all I know is it was like the best time I had designing all this shit. And when the movie came out, I was blown away, you know? Mm. So it's funny when you have sort of the, the, the nice surprise. Um, and yeah, so I've learned, definitely. I've learned not to, yeah, I've learned not to, I don't make any like, like Avengers, you know, it's, it goes just like any other movie. It's going through, um, you know, there's draft after draft and re rewrite after rewrite. Yep. And, um, it's like, God, man, you know, all I know is Marvel tells good stories and I love watching their movies. Mm. Um, but again, like I said, I'm, I'm a comic book nut. So I love that shit. <laughs> for, sure, for sure. Yeah. I mean, in most cases, it's just like, usually what you read at, at the very beginning, if you, if you ever, if you're even lucky to actually get hands on a script, um, I've noticed it's like less and less frequent these days to actually, you know, production have access to scripts, but, yes, um, it's crazy. To yeah. Me. It's kind of weird. Um, or the, you I've, know, I've worked pages on pages watermarked. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you, if you lose it, you're, you're fucked. <laughs> like if it yeah. has your name on it, you're fucked. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, what I was saying is I, I think I worked on like two or three films already that I didn't even know what they were about. Like literally right. designed yeah. this thing. It's like context please you know? yeah tell me what tell me what yeah, i'm t doing t tell me what i'm doing no oh, just design it like oh my god like what is going on yeah um <laughs> it's funny it's it's actually this paranoid thing where you know they will like guard you from having access to script and 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 this and that's like oh the security and you have to know what you do and this and yeah. But then you bring your own computer. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, I know. To the studio. And it's like, who the hell knows what you have on this? You know, they're not checking it. So you just plug it to, to the internet and they give you access to everything and you can just do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. It's kind yeah. Of so weird. You just, you know, you have to, you sign an NDA and, yeah. you know, the rest, the rest really is on, on good faith. But I, I know I, um, I've, I've been on movies where, you know, they kept the script in a safe. Uh, this was never the case. You know, everybody got their own copy of the script and, you know, it was, it was laying on your drawing board. And now, like, you have to go into a certain room and the script's in a safe and it's watermarked and, you know, you've got two hours to read it. And if you're like me, I read like a fucking fourth grader, you know, I, I can't get through 120 pages in two hours. It takes me four hours for, you know, cause for, especially if I'm going to absorb it. And, um, and, and I just, it, it sort of, so some of the security cracks me up that, um, that they go to these lengths where, you know, it, it's a script in a safe in, in a room and, you know, you're monitored while you're reading it. And, yeah, they, they, they check your retina, absurd. they check your fingerprints yeah. and Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you sign yeah. a you, you sign a contract with the devil. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, yeah. it's like getting the screeners. Are you getting the screeners now? Um, from yeah, um, I do. The, yeah, that's the, right. That's the funniest thing. The movies, though. All right. So anyone, um, anyone who who is in the union, basically, like we get screeners, right? The right. The, the films that are some of them are actually in cinema in cinemas right now. Right. So it's like, what kind of stops you from? I mean, that, uh, one of the reasons that you, you see screeners on, on torrent is this. I, 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 I would be surprised if it's not the case, you know, just the fact that they're, you know, they might be lost in the, you know, by the post office or something like that. Because they're just basically sending an envelope, you know, like what is the security behind this? I, I don't get it. Well, the, the, so before they just used to send you the screener and it would it would have a thing on there saying, you know, um, you, you can't share this with anybody, you can't whatever. But now they have um, they have a digital watermark on each on each DVD that's mm-hmm. tied tied to you. Okay. So so if it does, you know, if for some reason it does get out or you were to, you know. Um, lend it to somebody and they or whatever it can be tied back to you now okay well that that in that case it makes sense yeah, yeah but it, it didn't sense. used to be it didn't used to be like that but now so when you i don't know you, you've started getting yours already i'm assuming uh, yeah um, each individual screener is 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 digitally watermarked to your to your name so they can track it if it gets out yeah and um so I, I don't loan mine out because I mean they literally they're they're hardcore about it, man. They're like, you know. <laughs> well, good. I mean it's it would be a shame. Um, I mean it's a lost, really lost money. I mean when you look at how much effort goes into production and how much money it takes and you know how many people are yeah. involved, it's just like, man, like looking at piracy, it's just like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Know, it's just like pay a couple of bucks and go watch it even if you don't like it you know it's still it's still like at least you're paying for work that is being done and you know if at the end of the day you don't like it then you know maybe next time you'll you'll not watch the same director or same studio whatever not just that but i mean there's there's nothing like going into a movie theater you know with a box of popcorn and you know watching a movie and having the experience in the theater i agree agree with you it's a different Unless, experience for sure than just yeah. watching it on the screen. We usually don't pay attention. Like you do some some work and it's like on the other screen. It's like, yeah, yeah, I watched it. Yeah. I haven't seen any frame because you were focused on the work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> uh, that happens all the time to me too. Yeah. But yeah. So you mentioned, um, you talked about the egos in, in the game industry and that it's, you found, you found the egos more, more prevalent in the game industry than the film industry. I would industry. say so. Yeah, I would say so. It's it's a little different too. I, I think it's more, um, it's more like there are cases where it's just like purely, purely ego, where it's like someone is envious, you know. Um, oh, right. But in most cases, it's usually you know it's not mean spirited. It's usually like someone has an idea and, and they think that they're doing the best thing, but they don't, don't right. take to, into consideration that someone, someone else might have a different opinion about it. And in essence, working, in, like whether it's a film or game, you're basically creating, it's a collaborative uh, process, really. Right. You know, you're yeah. just a part of it and, and you have to accept that. 
And I think that's that's where it comes, uh, where the problem comes. Like people don't accept that idea. Um, it's, well, that, and, that's good to hear. Right? It sounded like it was something because I. Um, it's definitely something that. I talk about when I teach, which is, you know, leave your, leave your ego at the door. Cause there's just, yeah. there's no room for it. We're in a, you know, this, this industry is, a, I don't care what arm of the industry, whether it's game or theme park or film or animation, it's a collaborative business. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to, you have to be okay with that. And you have to be okay with, um, somebody like uh, how many times have you worked on a whatever like you you may end up working over the top of someone else's work or they're going to work work over yours or yeah. you know gets passed around and, and that's just how it is you know you exactly just... it is it is it is exactly like that i mean even on ghost and shell i would get stuff from weta and yeah which just have to change like can you touch it up because like we need changes here and there and yeah you, it's, it's not your concept really like you're just fixing it for a director and vice yeah. versa, you know, like I, yep. I, some of some of the work that I did for that show, I'm talking with some friends at Weta and they, yeah, they're like, Hey, I, I had to touch up your, your picture because of this and that. And yeah, it's fine. It's, it is what it is. You know, at the end of the day, what you, you should really care about is your own portfolio, like that you take home after you're done with the film, whatever that's going to be at the end of a day, like what the film is going to end up being, whether you love it or hate it. You, you know, your work kind of speaks for itself, you know, so. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you have to, um, there's, there's art and design and then there's the process. Yeah. And, and, um, wow. to be a constructive part of the process, um, you can still, you know, your art and your design can still cater to the process, but you, you know, you could do it in a constructive way or you can do it in a way that's selfish and it doesn't, you end up getting a reputation that way. Mm-hmm. So I was, it was interesting to hear you bring that up and that's why I wanted to ask you about it because, um, I, you know, the, the egos do get prevalent in this business and, and you know what, uh, there's always someone better. <laughs> yeah. I don't care how good you are. There's yeah. always someone better, man. You know, you know how that goes, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just like there's a lot of talent out there. So, yeah, you go on the art station, or you just look at what John Park is doing. It's like, fuck yeah, all right. <laughs> Not just what he's doing, but what he's doing in a half hour at lunch. It's like, take. I, I'm next time. I'm, I'm tomorrow because they're all gonna post tomorrow, and it'll be another, you know, fucking masterpiece. I'm gonna tell those guys to take a vacation. They're killing me. <laughs> When uh, John John Bach and I were working on Fantastic Voyage together, and we were watching Archer at lunch for fuck's sake, and now he's like cranking <laughs> on. <laughs> I think I messaged him. I said, "What you know? What happened to watching Archer? What is it with you guys? Like painting every second of the day? When do you breathe? I can't keep up with them." <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's pretty like, awesome. I, I I wish I I wish I had energy <laughs> to do it. <laughs> Well, you I'm got just doing kids it. now. That that that'll suck. That'll suck the energy out of you. Yeah, for sure, for sure. That and a lot of other other things that I have to do. I'm actually thinking about sabbatical personally, like getting a little time oh, yeah. off from from anything, and maybe do a little, like part time, still sort of like keep up with you know what's going on, but have much more time for 
for everything else. I think I think that's everyone needs that at, at some point. Sort of like you, whether you want to explore new ideas or, or anything like that. I'm really getting into um, idea of photogrammetry or however you call oh, it. No where you, yeah. yeah, where you just you know photograph um, objects and and stitch it together to actually create a meshes. Um, yeah. It's really exciting. It's really exciting what you can get out of this, and I, I really want to like get deeper into it. But you just cannot until you really have time to actually go out, because it's one of those things where you, it's only going to work when you go out, maybe some do some travel, where you yeah. can actually find a subject matter that is worth, uh, you know, photo shooting basically. You know, because you go in and just make hundreds of photo photos from different angles, and and that's how you create the the asset. But that's something that is exciting to me because it, it becomes like this one of those things where it's really tied into 3D. Yeah. A lot of the work that I do. I mean, you, you, you're doing it as well. I mean, you, you've been in film if in like forever. And I think you went through drawing and then Photoshop and then painting. And then right now it's 3D mostly, right? Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. Yeah, I did. It's, I went through, um, I mean, there was, you know, it was marker and gouache and acrylics um, for the first half of my career. And, you know, um, computers transitioned in. Yeah. And it took and it took a while, actually, um, for them to transition in. And then, um, you know, once once the software got to the point where, you know, it, it was definitely like, OK, it's, this is just another tool as opposed to something you're trying to make work. Mm -hmm. then then it was all over it was just like yeah it, it, you know you were expected to know it and then you were expected to work in photoshop and then you know um the people that resisted it were taking it out like there were some production designers that just didn't want didn't want to see a computer in the art department and and then once it became a tool that changed and then when 3d got introduced uh, that was the same process, and now we're just expected to know 3D um, as yeah. concept guys. We're, you know, um, it, hell, I think on Avengers, that's all I'm doing um, is 3D. I mean, yeah. for good reason. You, you know, you can you hand off your assets, and it's it, it saves a lot of steps. Yeah, it does, but, and you know, now like with the introduction of CAD. Uh, software, you know, like Fusion 360 or Moi 3D, yep. we can actually almost like manufacture those things, and it's so easy to build uh, in that environment. Oh, and then yeah. you just send it out, and well, we're just gonna print, we're just gonna print it, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's you know, um, and and that's why, like, I'm working in Lightwave here. People always ask what program, and it's like, who, you know, it just doesn't matter because they all talk to each other, you know, as yeah. you export in whatever format, and so. Um, but going back to what you said, because I was enamored by that, I um, just about taking a sabbatical and taking a break. And um, it's funny how how important that is. I'm I'm going to do the same thing. It, it, I'm taking a couple weeks and for Christmas, and I'm not going to stay home at Christmas. My wife and I are we're just we're taking off, man. We're going to go to Jackson Hole and ski and dog disappear sled from and, dis and, and disappear. Yeah, because. Um, you're right. You you'll you do burn out, and sometimes you don't even realize it when you're burning out. And um, that that balance is really important. It's easy to lose that balance doing what we yeah. do because you, we live like gypsies. It's from one job to the next, and you know 
Um, you don't say no very often. You just keep it going. And so when you get to the point where you're at, like what you talked about now, where you can take, you know, hey, I'm going to take a certain amount of time off. That's awesome. That's huge. You're, you know, your work's going to benefit from it. And so is your family. And so are you. <laughs> yeah. It's so tied together. Like when you're overworked or tired or working from project to project to project, it's just like, ah. Oh. You, you know, it's going to be that time where you get that email or phone call and like, oh, we're working on this and you get excited. Fuck, I yeah. want to work on that. And you say yes. And then a month later is like, oh, yeah, it's the same. It's the same. It's the same <laughs> thing. You know, we're working on the be next best new thing. And it's like, oh, my God, I've always dreamed of working on that. And then you, then a month later, it's like, fuck, what am I doing? What did I say? Yes. I got to <laughs> learn to say no. I got to say yeah. no. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, I want to jump into questions. There's, there's, uh, there's a few of them. Uh, but before that, I, I had one question to you. What, yeah. cause you've been a head of chair in, uh, for entertainment design at art center, right? Yeah. How did you get in that place and what was it like? I'm um, always, I'm always curious. Like art center, I'll, honestly, before you, before you go, sorry. It, when I came to us, it was like, oh, I probably should sign up for Art Center. I was already working on at Naughty Dog. It was like, yeah, I should sign up. And then, <laughs> and then I was talking to um, Andrew Kim, uh, who worked with me at Naughty Dog. He was uh, Art Center graduate, and he's like, dude, you don't need it. <laughs> no, yeah. It's, <laughs> But I was always funny. obsessed about it because the work I've seen from you, you and Scott and everyone else who's just basically went through that that place, just amazing. Yeah, I um so so I chaired there for a little over five years. Um and um all right, so how do I do this without getting long winded? I, I went to um a different design school than Art Center. I went to here in Detroit, I went to College for Creative Studies, and it's uh -huh. the same it's the same program. Um so are you asking how did I how did I start at Art Center? How did that come about? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, and like what actually got you to actually do that, you know, because you, you've been right. primarily in film, right? Right, right. Um, so it, 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 that's a great question. I, um, I, I never had, I had plenty of opportunity to production design um, and I, I never, um, it wasn't something that, I just like to design shit as a concept guy, right? And because mm -hmm. you know, a lot of production design is ends up being the managerial stuff that we were talking about earlier. So I didn't have aspirations for that. I just had aspirations to do what I do. But um, and I've and I've done everything in my career that I've set out to do. Um, and so at this point, I, I when I work on a movie, it's for the sheer enjoyment of the design and the art that I do, as opposed to trying to make a mark to get my right. next movie. Right. And so I started teaching at art center back in the nineties and really liked it a lot and, um, was good at it. In fact, I like teaching as much as I like designing and, mm -hmm. and drawing and had a, had a strong passion for it as well. And out of the blue, when Scott Robertson left art center, um, one of the faculty members who was a guy that I um, knew really well, good friends with Ricardo Delgado had, um, 
sent me an email just saying, hey, you know, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but Scott left, this position's open. You'd make a really good chair. And and I thought about it. And, um, you know, I, so I talked, I talked to Scott and this and that because I, it, the decision was if I can do this and still do movies, I'm in because then I got the best of both worlds. So right. I went ahead and, you know, um, submitted and there was, you know, a bunch of candidates. They do like global searches for these positions and, um, and then they whittled it down to six and then they whittled it down to three and then the position was offered to me. So I took it and um, sure enough, it, it, you know, it's something that it was like one of the best decisions I've made in my life. I just, you know, I, I love teaching and I love being able to design a curriculum just like, you know, designing anything else. Mm -hmm. And um, so from there, um, my kids are grown and um, I always want, I'm just not a, an LA type of person. I never have been. And it was, it's been my desire to always um, get back to Detroit. And um, so um, that's, that's what I did. I, I, because working on movies, as you know, we, we do, I haven't been in the studio for years. I've been, you know, I just do them remotely. Yeah. And, um, my wife, you know, all of her time is in Atlanta because she's a graphic designer in the industry. Mm -hmm. So we have a long distance relationship anyway. So, um, I went from art center to CCS and, um, miss art center a ton. Um, uh, like uh, that place is magical and the students there are amazing, but you're also, I, I, you know, I feel the same way. It's like, do you have to go to art center to become a concept designer? No. Could you go and learn from John Park at brainstorm and just get kick or, ass or, or from me or, or from Square. you <laughs> at Lord Square or, you know, Steve Jung. Yeah. I mean, yeah, shameless, red engine, shameless plug, <laughs> learn square, learn square. Um, but there's, you know, as you mentioned, there's these satellite places that are quality that, um, people are getting, you know, great education, um, mm -hmm. at technique. And, and before it used to be some of these places were all about technique, but then they started incorporating design. And, um, so I, I, I feel strongly about art center and what it gives you because it gives you much more than a, a design education. There's a lot more to it than that. But I also feel like Listen, some of the best guys in the business, like um, Steve Berg and Matt Codd and those guys, they're self-taught. Yeah. You know, and they're gods. And so if get, you have... I should get Steve on this podcast too. He's amazing. He's one, of, he's one of the reasons why I even started looking into 3D. Really. He's, he's um, you know, he was one of the first guys to... to, to that's why I use Lightwave is because he, he and I are best friends and, you know, we came up together. And um, when he started using Lightwave, that's what influenced me. Yeah. Was he was doing it in Lightwave. But it's funny because I don't know if you've seen, I haven't touched my model here, but as I model, I model with tools. He models by numbers. You know, the guy's a fucking savant. You know, he models by numbers and he animates by numbers. He, he inputs. That's insane. In XYZ, and that's how he thinks. It, it's in, you know, it's how he 
uses paint and how he used markers as well. He's, he's just as much left brain as he is right brain. Right. Um, you should have mine because his insight, um, and his experience is, is stuff that you guys would want to hear. He's, um, he also did the same thing. Uh, he moved back to New Jersey hmm. a couple of years ago. Um, and, uh, it's where he was from and for the same reasons. Yeah. I did. The last time I've seen him, uh, was when I was in Cap America. I think he was working for, I can't remember. I think it was a uh, jungle book, uh, or something like that. I can't remember exactly. He was at Warner for, for a little bit and I met right. him, uh, made him over, over lunch. Did, uh, did it take him 20 minutes to get one sentence out like it does? Or? I can't remember. He's such a nice guy, though. He's such a nice oh, guy, Oh, he's man. the best. But Super yeah, but nice it, person. You, you'll have a... I, I tease about all the time. You have a conversation with him, and you know it's going to go twice as long because it takes him forever <laughs> to get right. it. So. You know, <laughs> the, the, best, the best part about running a podcast when you're sort of running it yourself is just like, you can do whatever the fuck you want, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And sure. nobody can tell you like there's a, someone's like, oh, you cannot say that. You, you should talk with your producer. All right. Let me talk to myself. Yeah. <laughs> How nice is that? Yeah. It's awesome. I love that. I love that part. You know, is, uh, is, Learn, is Learn Squared all, um, is it all online or you yeah, it's all order? online. Uh, it's That's me, awesome. me, Ash Torp and, uh, and Andrew Horlick. And, uh, Ooh. yeah, we're classes. building it slowly, uh, getting, uh, Getting some new classes ready. We just released a few um, a month ago or two. Uh, we had this uh, motion design class with Jorge uh, oh, J.R. Canest. It's amazing, man. I actually took it, and uh, I've learned so much oh, about shit. animation. Damn. So uh, just all After Effects, or yeah, it's After Effects uh, mostly, and uh, you know just Chilling. his approach and how he sort of breaks down animation you know after taking it I, I i when i when i watch like animated films or you know when you have those animated commercials and you see yeah. like movement of some characters and maybe some motion design you start yeah. to think about it completely different and you can you know it, for good or be, for for better or worse you start to notice flaws as well oh yeah yeah, it's yeah. Like, oh man those guys were lazy <laughs> Performance is so huge yeah. when it comes to animate. It's that's that's why um, at CCS, um, it's it's totally different than Art Center. The entertainment track there, uh, it, it's three tracks. It's there's a film track, um, a game track, which is mm-hmm. um, more about pipeline building assets, the, you know, the modeling part of it, not so much the concept design. And then there's an animation track, which is 2D animation and 3D character animation. Right. So. Um, you know, I'm chairing all of that filmmakers, animators, performers, and, um, designers slash modelers. And boy, when you have, when you have an animator that's willing to give it up as far as how they perform, whether it's with a pencil or with a, in the graph editor and Maya, Mm -hmm. um, there's a huge difference between it's the same thing as being in front of a camera, you know, somebody yeah. who's willing to, 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 to really give, give up their performance and bear their soul to their character. Um, kind of the same process it is when you design, um, they stand out. It's, yep. it's a really cool to watch whether it's t- motion, motion graphics or character animation. It's there's, 
a good animator is worth their weight in gold. It's amazing. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, um, that's that's absolutely true. All right, man. Uh, let's jump into some questions. There's there's a few uh, been asked here. Let's go through them real quick. Um, first one was, uh, could you share with us some of the mindset qualities that helped greatly in your journey as a designer? Well, part of it was what we were talking about, which was um, stay humble. Yeah. Um, because nobody um, nobody wants to work with an asshole. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> I've so, been saying it almost every episode. Don't be oh, an asshole. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Oh, okay. So I'm just repeating shit that you. Okay. So <laughs> that's a that's actually a big part because what I've seen in my career is that um, you know there are people that will get hired over somebody who has more talent just because, you know, a production designer knows they can rely on them or that they like working with them, you know, yeah. and, and they, they know they'll deliver the goods. So nine times out of 10, that person will get hired over somebody who's even more talented, but not, not dependable or their ego gets in the way. Um, so that, that was a big part of, um, my journey. And the other part was, it's it's not so much work ethic because I know everybody in this business has that hardcore work ethic. It's just mm -hmm. expected, but it was I guess more um, just the sheer love of what I'm doing. You know, I fucking love drawing. I love designing shit. I'm a geek, um, and and that that just translates into. Um, a, a work ethic where you don't you don't mind the hours um, yeah. and you have to in that you have to have that mindset to make it in this business because it does it does own you um, so that and then also um, being willing to adapt um, I was never when we were talking about that transition into digital and you know there were so many guys that were just like fuck that i'm not you know i'm i'm an artist i'm gonna paint yeah where are they at right now you know and so, <laughs> you know i i was open to everything you know so being adaptable was um a big part of it too and i always will be whatever comes up my way for the rest of my career yeah um so those i, I think those three things are most the most important it's that drive isn't it like anytime Anytime something new comes out, you know, you get excited. And, and you, if you see there's a quality to it that can basically improve whatever you do at your work, that just becomes like this one really enticing thing, isn't it? That, oh, totally. And um, I get, I, I don't know, I just get giddy about the shit. I, when I look at good artwork, you know, when I see what you guys are doing, um, you know, looking at your stuff on Avengers is like, fuck, man, this guy's good. And I, you know, I love it. I love looking at other guys' stuff. I love it when I produce something that makes me feel good. Um, that just fuels you, you know. Um, I don't get uh, intimidated by other um, great designers in this industry. I get, I get inspired by them. Yeah, you should feel excited about seeing what they do and trying totally. to match that goal, like, how did he do that? Like, if, is, is there a way I could do it myself, you know? 
and yeah. then figuring out the, the road. That's I think that's the most exciting part where you're just like you're trying to figure out exactly how it's done. One of the things that get like anytime I'm going on Facebook and I see what Jama is doing, you know who Jama Jurabayev is? Yeah, you probably have seen. So how can sick. you see? Oh, yeah, he did a nice sketch, you know, in Photoshop, and they're like, no, 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 wait a minute, it's all 3D and yeah. it's VR, and you can move around. Like, what it's the sick. fuck? How do you do that, man? I know, and <laughs> yeah, that's it's, it's pretty that, insane. That's where we're headed, by the way. I mean, tilt brush is gonna—we're all gonna be using tilt brush, you know, uh, years from now, and that's how we're, we're gonna be executing our work. Yeah, right um, now it's a gimmick, but so was Photoshop in the beginning. So, so was, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it will turn into something that yeah, for sure becomes you know tangible. But yeah, I mean, I um, that that's the difference between a healthy ego and an unhealthy ego is where instead of being intimidated by, um, you know, your peers, you're you're inspired by them, and that was that's how it was all the way through. You know, it, my best friends are guys that. I, I mean, I, I relate to other artists and designers on a different level than I do anyone else. We, we speak our, we speak our own language. Yeah. And so these guys become my best friends. I mean, like Steve Berg, um, you know, Warren Manser, uh, Matt Cott, all, all these guys that, you know, we, that we came up with together. Um, we're all best friends. Yeah. Uh, and There's a passion uh, that combines, you know, the, the, the sort of like the self-driven, uh, passion towards the art and you know learning it's it's something that always you know gets people together yeah and just uh, you know our when we go out for a beer and talk our discussions revolve around that stuff because yeah. we we breathe the shit so um, and I know you guys do too yeah <laughs> absolutely it's, it's the same it's the same thing for you guys um, so yeah that's that's another um, big part that's important uh that's been really important in my life is my friendships with with yeah. fellow you know fellow peers and and what we've what you know the memories we've got from shit that we did on movies back in the day and <laughs> you know so it's all good yeah to me it's it's all fun until you're tired then it's really work that's yeah. that's that's how i view it uh yeah. cool uh next question was what do you think uh, are the major differences about this uh, about games and and movies concept art making process? Uh, basically, I, I, have you ever worked in actually actually have you ever worked in games before? No. Uh -uh. Okay. Um, I guess I can quickly. Uh, yeah, you'll have that. to answer that one. I've done theme park work. Um, yeah, how's that? I've I've always I was always curious. Is, um, it, is it is it very different to film or? I, I, pretty much it's it's um it, it was for me because i was an outsider like i did a lot of stuff for um disney imagineering um back in the 90s mm -hmm. and i always did it as an outside um contractor i never hired in so it was never part of their process it was always um okay we've got this new attraction that we're working on and we need this this and this designed um and so it was kind of piece by piece. It was very different than in film. And then I recently worked on a Chinese theme park um, about four years ago. And that was similar to a movie in how I worked remotely with these people. It's kind of like they would send me layouts 
and drawings of um, their attraction and what yeah. they're doing. Then I would, you know, I would visualize the stuff and add to it design-wise, and and that was pretty similar. But games, I haven't, um, I've, I've never worked on a game. Um, what I could tell is it's very similar. I think games have a little more, um, there's, there, there are some differences. I, I would say in most cases, technically it's, it's very similar. Film is more, uh, precise. It's more design oriented where you're actually solving problems and you're actually, cause you know, that's going to be built. Uh, unless you're doing concepts that, that are going to be purely VFX, but right. you know, especially in the art department, you're really designing sets. So, uh, so it's a work that has to translate to how it's going to be built. Like if you're designing a vehicle, for instance, they have to they have to build it in most cases. So yeah, you have to make it work somehow, one way or right. another. Right. Um, you know, there are keyframes, obviously. Um, or, you know, weapon designs, that, that's something that they have to build too. But keyframes is, you know, that could be more loose in terms of, uh, you know, how, how far you can go with your imagination. In games, it's like, it's keyframes are very similar uh, in games as in films. Uh, in terms of designing everything else, it, you, you're, you're abiding more to the rules of the gameplay, what's actually fun, and then trying to keep it within the realm of, uh, reality right. now whether it's designed over designed uh, i think design has less to do with with the games themselves like there's not as much focus on uh on the functionality that's why when you when you see sci-fi games there's a lot of like the design can be awesome depending on who's actually designing if it's a proper designer like some someone really good like let's say yeah. you have mike hill or aaron beck uh one of the young guys young guys there are pretty much my age <laughs> but those are those are considered to be like good designers and and you can tell like aaron beck is the guy who uh did a lot of work for um elysium and and district nine oh, he kind of designed sure. almost he almost produced that that feel and style of, of you know district nine and yeah, and elysium nuts, nuts bolts hardware guy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um so you know when you when he is involved then you, you know that it's going to be something special. It's almost like looking at, let's say, uh, Daniel Simon, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when uh, Daniel Simon is on a, on a film, you know, it's going to be probably the most beautiful film out there that year. Yeah. Like, it's just granted. Like, the vehicle is probably going to be something that as mind-blowing as you've ever seen. Like, just look at Oblivion or even the Tron, right? It's yeah. It's just like, come on. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's the most amazing. beautiful shit you've ever seen. Um, yeah. It, it's very much with, with games. It, it, it's very much like that with games as well, where, you know, if you have a proper designer, someone who understands design, then it's going to influence the, the look. But it's all, in most cases, it's going to be driven by that person rather than our, our direction and whatnot. Um, again, it's more focused towards the gameplay and, and the game itself. Like, what are the most important part about games is, is game. Like, you, you pick up a controller or a keyboard or whatever, it has to be fun. If it's yeah, not fun, exactly. it doesn't matter if it looks great or not. It's just going to be shitty. It's going to be a shitty game, are, right? When guys are designing hardware within a game, are they? Um, are, I'm just assuming that they're they're sort of justifying um, justifying their their designs as far as how things how things work, how things yeah. uh, 
you, you know, I mean, I'm because we do the same thing, and we, you it's know, all over that. the place. It can be, it can be completely all over the place, honestly. You well, know? that's what I'm saying. You know, like doing the helicarrier for Captain America, um, the Winter Soldier, not not Civil War, the one you worked mm-hmm. on. I mean. You can ask me anything about it, any area of that helicarrier, and I can tell you about it. I can justify yeah. it. But, you know, obviously this shit doesn't work. But, uh, you know, to, to make things believable, you know, you think through stuff and you use um, existing technology to incorporate into your design so that yeah. it becomes believable. And I'm just assuming you guys do that in games as well. To a degree. Um, again, like... Look at when you look at some of the sci-fi games. There's just, I mean, it's all over the place. It can, yeah. It's 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 a good. It's a bad. It's, it's more <laughs> bad than good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like it's a it's a, a art station concept art good in most cases. You know what I mean? It's okay. it's, it's like okay. it's like a concepty concept. You know, like okay. there's a saying in video games, concept wires, which which basically means that you have to put wi- like putting wires in the in your illustration, where they go, they go from the camera towards the the, the center of the image, or you know, uh-huh. towards the image because it builds the depth. You know? Okay. So it's 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 that kind of thinking process, you know. Yeah, gotcha. In most cases, I'm not saying in all cases. I I guess um, I'll give you a good example how when the things are are done right, and I I know it's going to be sort of like a really shameless uh, way of, of 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 saying it, but I would say The Last of Us was done mm-hmm. right. And the, yeah. the only reason I would say, or one of the major reasons it was done right is because of Bruce Straley, who was a game director, but he's mm-hmm. also a great art director. He, he paints himself, like he paints in oils, he understands art, he reads art books, he, read, uh, he, uh, he studies you know, art in general. So he yeah. has a great understanding about perspective, about architecture, about colors, about pretty much everything. He understands right. what he sees. Um, and he's very particular about details as well and understanding where the details are coming from. So even when we're we're doing environments and it's just like, you know, you think it's abandoned, I don't know, abandoned mall, right? Or some kind of abandoned uh, room or something like that. There's always attention to detail where, all right, if you're adding trash, like where does where is this trash is coming from? Like, you know? Uh, justify not, it. Yeah, justify it. Justification of how it's collapsing and then analyzing actually how buildings are structured and where it would start start collapsing all right if there's a yeah. water leak uh, where the water leaks would come from and then justifying it and then making it dressed in a way that it feels right you know so when you play the last of us it's it's not like everything is all over the place everything seems to feel very normal you know there's in most a, cases there's a that makes a difference, man. I mean, I look at like, like this guy that's um, the production designer on Avengers. He's one of those detail-oriented guys that you know I was, I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference in how his films look. Uh, you know, I mean, he did Doctor Strange, he did um, Guardians of the Galaxy, and the, you you know, there's depth to the films he's worked on because he's one of those guys that you're describing. You know? Yeah, yeah, and it makes a difference. I mean, it does. I mean, it's his his sets are believable in a way that some guys' sets aren't. Yeah, I you agree. Uh, so, but yeah, I think a, I think in film it's more uh, oriented towards solving problems in the, in the, in a realistic way, yeah. or in a way that you know it's going to work. 
because it just right. in in most cases it just has to be built and that's already by a default it just has to work so yeah for sure cool. um i'm gonna read one more uh All and right. then we can wrap it up you got it or actually there's two more questions only so let's 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 blast through them uh we'll so answer, first one is we'll answer them quick. yeah uh team your work is great the ships and winter soldier are so cool there you <sighs> go <laughs> Uh, do you still remember your industrial design training after so long? What is a book about industrial design that the best helped you in your design work? And finally, what area, what are some tips you can give to other artists to how to design cool, cool entertainment design? Wow. Those are cool questions. Um, well, first of all, thanks for the compliment that that's, that's good to hear. And yes, um, my industrial design roots are, um, they're just, it's my DNA in doing everything. Um, it's how I think it's how my, you know, it's how Daniel Simon thinks. Um, it's how Steve Burke thinks, even though he's not classically, he's not a, a trained industrial designer. Um, he just is because that's who he is. So, um, when it comes to proportion, when it comes to dominance, subdominance, rhythm, harmony, balance, you know, those five key elements of design, mm -hmm. um, that's it, it, whether I'm doing a character or a costume or hardware or architecture, those, uh, those five elements come into play, um, in everything I do. As far as books goes, um, I can't really recommend any books. I would, I would more recommend exercises that I teach, um, where, you know, you get influenced by, um, what nature gives you for free. So the, the way I teach is I'll drop ink and water and photograph it and then, um, create, um, architecture from, from what I get out of, you know, the battle of resistance of, you know, ink and water mm -hmm. and, you know, what nature gives you for free or, um, I'll, I'll simply use, um, splines for, you know, from a ruler to, to, to see how a natural line accelerates and the apex of acceleration off that line. Those are the things. So I guess what I'm saying to answer the question is that you just need to be a student of nature, um, because that's what indust good industrial design comes from and it's in studying nature will be better than reading any book. Um, yeah. I can, t I mean, that's, that's an easy answer for me. So try dropping ink in water and watch, watch what it gives you for free and then see what you can get out of it. Um, you get great line, you'll get great volume, you get great proportion because nature's perfect. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I mean, there's, it's observation and experience yep. you take experiences you take out of them. It's like when you learn about lighting, when you learn about perspective and composition, you learn it by looking at, you know, nature or looking at observing basically, you know, yeah. how are you going to learn about natural light by observing it, seeing how light and how sun is affecting surfaces and how yeah. it's reflecting and all that. And I guess it's pretty much similar with the designs. It, it feels ambiguous, but once you understand that there are rules, like you said, rhythm or, you know, mm -hmm. the scale or, and, and whatnot, then, you know, 
you start to apply observation to what those those rules, which are very vague, by the way, uh, say, you know? And uh, Yeah. Yeah. I, I lecture about it where I, I, I give, um, you know, photographic examples of, of what balance is, of what rhythm is, of what harmony is, of what dominance and subdominance are, because those make up composition, they make up design, they make up... Uh, relationships they 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 go into everything so i'll mm -hmm. um so like it, in my concept class that's that's the first day of class is I, I do the lecture on visualizing those five elements of design and what they look like so that you know students know how to apply them when they're doing a piece of hardware or know how to apply them when they're composing a keyframe and um you know, you could even t to the student, this person who asked the question, you can, you know, Google those five elements, dominant, subdominance, rhythm, harmony, balance, and, and then go to, go to Google images and you're, there's going to be a light bulb that goes off in your head. Yeah. Um, and that's a good place to start really to, yeah. for, for that path. Yeah. That path down industrial design and which leads to concept design. It's, it's a good place to start. Cool. And the last one is actually, there's actually two more, but uh, the, or three more. One we kind of answered already and okay. two, two others could be combined actually into one question, which, which is what I'm going to do. Uh, how can you get a, a break into a movie industry when you come from video games industry? Something I can probably start with uh, what, and something you can obviously add to uh, what does director from movies are looking for? And then was another one, which is very related, I would say, is how do you approach, uh, possibly for the first time ever, a movie studio about a project you hear that is planned and you would like to be part of it? If it, is, it is it even possible? Um, I think it's like, I think this, uh, this could be one question, really. Yeah. Um, let me start. You want, yeah, yeah, you go first. I'll, I'll start really quickly and then we can elaborate from there. Uh, in order to work in films, I would say the easiest answer to any of those questions is your portfolio is going to speak for itself. Um, and, you, you know, it, it, oftentimes you're going to say, all right, you have to know people, you have to know, a, you know, a certain amount of directors or production designer or producer or someone in order to actually get into the movie industry, which is true. But the best way to get discovered is to basically make as best art as you can uh, and they'll find you like if if you make something that is truly inspiring trust me they'll find they, they'll find your work uh that's how i got found like I, I didn't know anyone from the movie industry and the first person i i, I spoke with or one of the first person i spoke with was robert rodriguez and uh the art that he saw was one of the images i did i did like way back when which was uh, it was called Dark Dark Riders. Um, it's those two horsemen, like those two Nazgul's, very cinematic look. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the image that I was like, oh, shit, I, I gotta talk with that guy, you know. Uh, so this is where it started for me. Usually, it's your art that's going to speak for itself. Obviously, when you like, if you if you went to Art Center, you're gonna know a lot of artists. A lot of them might end up working in film, and they will recommend you. So uh, you know, having a good connections helps. In order to have good connections, you, you, you just have to be, you know, we talked about it. You, you cannot be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have your ego in check. So, but I think the most important part uh, or most, most interesting part 
about this because I, I already talked. I think if you if you go back, I can't remember which stream was that. Uh, if you go back a uh, couple of streams, I think uh, when I was talking with Scott Schneider, I've mentioned the mentioned this couple of times. You know, on how to get in a union and what it entails. You can actually go on the uh, our directors guild side. Uh, there's, you know, there's usually an information, I think there's an information about how to get in. In many cases, when you actually get a chance to work in a movie, when you, when you, you know, when someone contacts you about the movie, that's when you're going to get all the information you need. You need. It's, it's just going to snowball from there. Um, I think the best, the best part of this question is like, you know, let, let's say you hear about the film, like, oh shit, the Blade Runner is in works. Uh, and I want to be part of it or, how do I get, you know, how do I get, you know, director or production designer to actually see my work? So I don't know, like, I have my ideas, but I would love to hear your opinions about this uh, as well. Sure. You, you want me to go or are you going to? Yeah, yeah, go, go ahead. Um, so this question is, is being asked um, in the exact same manner that I asked it when I was 20 years old. <laughs> and... The, the answer to it is um, you you just you contact people um, there there is even though there's a shitload of talent out there and um, it, it, you know our our industry and in, in what we do has exploded there's always if you're good you're gonna work there's always room for talent so if you hear of a project that is going on and you contact, uh, this has been my experience and you contact a production designer or for some reason you, you know how to contact the director or whatever, and you send them a link to your work, they're going to look at it. They're always looking for, um, new talent or different talent, unique talent. So if you're unique, um, and you stand out above other people for whatever reason, because your characters are great or because you have a different take on hardware or you're the new Daniel Simon because of how you refine surface so well, you're going to get noticed and, and you'll work. Um, they're looking for you. There's been plenty of production designers that I've worked with that they'll say, Hey, do you, you know, do, who do you know um, coming up? That's really good. And I'll say, Oh, you know, Charlie Farquhar from so-and-so you got to see his stuff. So part of what Maché is saying is true as well, which is, People are going to recommend you as you get to know. But the first step is have a website or, or at least a blog and email these people and point them to your, point them to your work. I, I guarantee you 100% they're going to look at your work. Even if they don't know who you are, they'll look. People yeah. love looking at artwork. They might not, necessarily, might not necessarily reply, but... Definitely but look. they're gonna they're gonna look, and if you're good and your timing's right, and they need somebody w with what you have to offer, um, they'll contact you. Yeah, I've I've seen it happen over and over and over again. It happened to me early in the days, back in the '80s, and it and it still works the same exact way today. It's just easier because of the digital, you know, they yeah. can see your work right away. I mean, my, my, my days were lugging in gigantic portfolios and showing <laughs> them, you know, 30 by 40 paintings and, you know, having to meet with them face to face, um, which was much, much tougher to actually get cold call somebody and convince them to see you. 
where now you just point them <laughs> to your blog. They don't have to meet you. They're going to look at your work. And if they like you, they'll email you back. Yeah. Be realistic about yourself too. Like be realistic about your work. Just look yep. at it and then I would say. Look at, other, look at what, the, look what the professionals are doing out there that are yeah. established. And yeah. if you compare to them, then it's worth pointing somebody to your website. If you don't, then keep working. Yeah, yeah. Like if your work is shitty and, you know, just on it, like if you give yourself an honest assessment, if you can compare yourself to work of the guys who already work in the industry, you, you, you see those names and you know they've been working on the film ABC, um, then your chances of actually breaking through are much better than if you just have something that is just average or not inspiring at all. You know, honestly, maybe it's lacking still a lot of, uh, you know, uh, polish or it's lacking uh, quality. Um, it's very unlikely you're going to hear, hear back. You know, that's it, a, it's not going to burn any point. bridges. You know, it's not going to be like, oh, fuck that guy. He contacted me two years ago. His work was shitty, so I'm not going to look at it anymore. Uh, but just, you know, be realistic. And also bear in mind that, you know, you don't want to be a person that spams people either. I just want to like put some caveats in this because you know you never know who's listening and who like oh shit I'm gonna I'm gonna contact that production designer and spam him. Don't worry, that's the that's the best that's the best way to never get hired actually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, you have to. That's a good point. You have to be um, you, you have to be delicate about how you go about it. One, you want to make sure your work is ready to 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 show people. Yeah, um, because there, you will risk the chance of them of blowing it if you don't impress them the first time. Uh, is, is they may not look again, so you have to be careful about that. And then you also have to be careful about how you go about contacting people, um, where you know you don't come on too strong that um, that you contact people in a way that invites them to look at your stuff as opposed to um, being pushy. Yeah, yeah. Don't write a director and say, "Hey, dude, <laughs> can you look at my work, please?" <laughs> that's a uh, that's a no no. You'd be surprised how many people do that too. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. We've been talking about this in my previous stream with I think it was with James Pake actually. Um, you know, how do you go about contacting uh, video game studios and making sure right. that your work's going to be at least looked at. And he said, like, I think he was, it was him. He said, you would be surprised how many people just never follow what HR sets in their description that you should do. Or I think it was either him or, or maybe it was Alex uh, from Naughty Dog. I, I can't remember. Um, but either way, you know, you get those portfolios that are, <laughs> like, you have a strict guidelines. Just follow right. it. Just just follow it. You know, don't don't you know? Don't be a guy who's just like oh, I can wing it. You know, <laughs> it never oh. works. Throw like if you just draw something out there and you half-ass it. Bear in oh. mind, people half-ass response to you as well. It's like yeah, whatever. Uh, but right. if you really you know if you really go careful about it and, and you really push effort towards presenting yourself from from best possible angle. And your work speaks for itself. The chances are that you might actually get hired, and when that happens, it can snowball. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, and the comp the competition's too too stiff to not pay attention. Yeah, 
you know, it's just there's too many there's too many people out there who are really good and really talented. So if you're going to be if you're going to get noticed by I don't care Naughty Dog or Riot or Bun whoever, um, you know, you better to your point. You better make sure. It blows that my mind, man. Sometimes, like the the emails I saw, I I had a chance to look at some of the submissions for Naughty Dog. It was just like. Holy shit, man! It just blows my mind. Like how? <sighs> like I'm thinking it from a perspective. Like, would you go to a grocery store that has an open position for a cashier and present yourself that way? You probably wouldn't. And right. I saw some of the ways people are trying to get in. It's just like, god damn it! <laughs> really? How lazy can you be? <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's not like, you know, I, I always use this one example. Like you want to be the guy that you 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 don't give them a choice. They have to hire you, you know, yeah. because of one, because of your portfolio, two, how you present yourself, three, how you apply, all, you know, all those things. Because I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen at Art Center. I, you know, the, a few years back, DreamWorks had just laid off 500 people and they were going through those cutbacks and, um, you know, we had our grad show and they came in and they, um, you know, they made, they made an offer to, to a guy. I mean, he didn't give them a choice. They had to offer him and they weren't hiring, you know, in fact, they were laying people off and they, yeah. they hired them because they didn't want anybody else to get them. You, so it's kind of like you, you want to be that good and you yeah. want to go about how you do this that well as well. So don't, that's what you need to have in your mind. Don't give them a choice, but that they have to hire you because your shit's so good and you present yourself so well. Yeah, it's meritocracy, isn't it? Your, it is. Your yeah. work speaks for itself, and it's always like that. It's the reality of the world, and you have to accept yeah. it. And if you if you if you feel you know, if you feel butthurt about it, then well, then this industry is not <laughs> did for you. you. Say, did you say butthurt? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I'm stealing uh, that, man. <laughs> That's a pretty popular saying among well, the interwebs. <laughs> you're talking to a, you know, I'm a sheltered, delicate flower. Okay. <laughs> All right. Butt hurt. Butt hurt. <laughs> We're going to end it on that. That's perfect. Yeah, let's end it on that. Uh, dude, it was, right. it was a pleasure, man. Uh, we should do it Big again bucks. one time. Um, I wanted to end up this year because I'm going to go on the hiatus. I have a, I'm planning a vacation time with my, with my family, a little bit of sabbatical. Uh, you know, wrapping up some work. I just need to sort of slow down because I've been, I've been, I've been sprinting for the last couple of years without almost any time off. So uh, I figured, you know, you're gonna be a perfect guest, and this is gonna be a great conversation to have to sort of wrap it up, and uh, so we can come back strong next year with the art cafe. Um, dude, thanks for your time. You, we actually went a little bit over time than we normally do. So really, really appreciate that you had, uh, you spared that time with us and, and with the audience and everyone who was listening or watching it later on. Um, yeah, man, it was, was yeah, a pleasure. Man. Hey, I, 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 you know, this was fun for me and, and, uh, it's, it's, I've been wanting to shoot the shit with you anyway. And, um, this is a great excuse to do it. And thanks for having me on your, your last one before your hiatus. Well-deserved and, and uh, enjoy, recharge. Yeah, I have to. <laughs> All right, sure. guys. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for being here. Thanks for watching it. Uh, if you liked it, subscribe. If not, then go fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, or do whatever, the, do whatever you want, man. Do whatever you want. Uh, we're doing this for you guys. So 
Uh, yeah. Again, thanks, thanks for everyone. Thanks, Tim, and uh, we'll wrap it up with. Uh, I just, I just cannot resist uh, putting some, some soundboard there. Yeah, put it in. Some, some, some cool music. <laughs> wrap it up on the positive note, and uh, have you guys awesome. uh, have a great holidays and uh, take care. All right, we'll, we'll see you, Maxi. Yep. Bye bye.